0: White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go!
1: Lance Lynn with an absolute gem.
0: Hooray! It is gone! It's a no hitter Carlos Rodon! What a performance!
2: Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Today, he's actually in the big chair today. I'm Tyler Aki with you here on White Sox Weekly. We're with you every single Saturday, two hours before pregame, two and a half hours before first pitch. And it's another good one today with the White Sox and the New York Yankees. The Yankees yesterday took that one from the Sox, 10 to 4, your final score. And it was another game where this Yankees offense continued to show why it is regarded as, as one of the best in baseball right now. This has been a really really pivotal series I think for White Sox fans because I think you're starting to see the ears really start to perk up. And we're going to talk about it here on the show today. 3123323776. How are you feeling about the White Sox? We're 31 games into the season so far. Right now a game under 500 below expectations from what White Sox fans probably expected to have. At this stage in the season, but there certainly have been plenty of bright spots throughout the day. Don't forget, we're also going to have Connor McKnight on the show today as well. He'll join us at about three forty-five, and also we're going to talk to Bennett Souza, one of the really bright spots out of the Sox pen here in the early going. He's had a couple of really stellar performances in his rookie season. We'll talk to Bennett Souza around four thirty today once the guys all wrap up batting practice. I also have some stuff I want to get to. With Tim Anderson, as great as we've seen Tim Anderson be throughout the course of his White Sox career and his MLB career, he's actually taking things to another gear this season. So we'll get into all of that. I want to talk a little bit about Jose Abreu on today's show, too, because he's going through a rut right now. Oh, for his last 20. We'll get into the weeds of Jose Abreu's early season struggles here, especially in this month of May. And hey, good news on the way as well as Andrew Vaughn is back in the White Sox lineup today. He's batting fifth. We'll get you everything you need to know ahead of the pregame show, which gets going at 530. So diving into yesterday's matchup between the Yankees and the White Sox, it it kind of felt very similar to what we saw in game one of this series. This is a Yankees lineup that, I mean, you, you hear it, kind of paralleled at times the 27 Yankees have been reincarnated with what we're seeing right now out of guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson. Oh, we thought as White Sox fans that Josh Donaldson was done torturing us. But here we are. And Josh Donaldson has continued to mash against this White Sox team. Donaldson so far Four for ten in the series, a pair of home runs, has also knocked in six as well. He's got 22 career home runs against the Sox. That's the most he has against any team in all of baseball. So he has been a certain Sox killer throughout the course of his career. And then Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole continues to be one of those Cy Young-level pitchers. Again, remember last season when, with Garrett Cole, it looked like, oh, we may be seeing Garrett Cole be one of those guys who was the beneficiary of Of the sticky stuff, of the the banned substances, of the spider tack. And now, all of a sudden, he's gotten back into that gear. He had another solid outing yesterday. Went six and a third, allowed six hits, three runs. He had that one that he balked in, uh, the the rare balk in of a run. So he did that as well. But he struck out nine White Sox along the way. And it was another dominant performance. And and another thing, too, for the Yankees is they've got to be feeling pretty good, too, because they only had to use two pitchers in last night's game as well. They got two and two-thirds of solid ball out of Michael King, albeit the result pretty much in hand at the time when Cole came out of the game in the seventh at that time. But this is a Yankees team that has shown it's one of the AL's best and one of baseball's best, and it's a team that the White Sox are going to have to contend with down the road if they want to be a force when they do end up getting to October. This is a Yankees team that this White Sox team will face again next weekend. And probably, if, all, if things go according to plan, if, if the White Sox fans are getting what they want this season, chances are you're going to run into this Yankees team again. So the question I want to ask to White Sox fans right now is, is this a measuring stick series? Did you feel like this was one that you really wanted to see? Now, again, we're only about halfway through it. Actually, we are halfway through it, so there's plenty of time to still split this thing. There's a game today, there's a game tomorrow. There's a chance that, albeit the first two games, have not gone according to plan and really have strayed far from the plan that I'm sure Tony LaRusso would like his team to to undergo during this four-game stretch against the Yankees. While things have strayed from what he really wanted this team to be against the Yankees, there's still time to correct everything and sort of make those first two games almost be a wash. Now, you're going to have to hit. That's one thing that you look at what the Yankees have done against the White Sox. They've gotten out and they've pounced on this team early. And that has been one of the differences... That I've noticed from the White Sox playing the Yankees versus when the White Sox were having a lot of success early in the season and at other stages in the season and during that six-game winning streak, it was their ability to go out and strike first, be the aggressors. Even though some of them were low-run scoring games, you won some games 3-2 to early on in the season. I believe there was that Rays series where they took two of three from the Rays. And the first two games were each 3-2 victories for the White Sox. Again, low-scoring games, but the White Sox set the pace and played from ahead. And this team looks so much different playing from ahead, as do most baseball teams, right? They're going to look certainly better when you are out ahead, as the Sox have been at a number of times throughout the early portions of this season. But getting into this Yankees series now, and really this has really felt like almost the week from hell for the White Sox with the two blowout losses to open up this series against the Yankees. And then even if you go back to earlier in the week, it felt like this was going to be a good week for White Sox fans, right? Like, you get into things, and on Monday you get the great news that Yohan Moncada and Joe Kelly are going to be back. And with those two guys back, you're getting your starting third baseman, a guy who has all-star caliber stuff, and then you've also bring back a very key piece to your bullpen and a guy who White Sox fans hadn't seen yet pitch in a White Sox uniform. You bring him over from free agency. That was one of your bigger signings in what was really a, a quiet offseason for the White Sox, but that was still one of your bigger signings there, and I think a lot of White Sox fans were really intrigued of what a bullpen would look like of you get the starting performance, and then you can go to Kelly... Graveman, and Hendricks. Some mix of those two to close out games in an ideal world. I think that's what it looks like for White Sox fans. And then you blow the the six-run lead to Cleveland in what I'm sure Northeast Ohio will continue to to call the Naylor game when Josh Naylor had an out-of-body experience and really torched the White Sox a, a lot in that series. But in particular, that first game when he had eight RBIs, Then you come back, you win a game against Cleveland, but the Guardians made things a little bit interesting in that ninth inning, and it was almost a chance to to lose another one in heartbreaking fashion. Then you have that game where, okay, you're hoping the White Sox can start to get a little momentum and, and start to feel a little bit better after that heartbreaker earlier in the first game of the series against Cleveland. And what do you know? It gets postponed from COVID. It's the first game that we've seen in baseball get postponed from COVID. And a lot of people... We're probably thinking, oh, it felt like we were sort of behind that of having games postponed from COVID. But it was just sort of a reminder of the reality that we're living in right now. And then you drop the two at home in blowout fashion against the Yankees these last two days. The White Sox are going to try to change things and turn things for the better here Saturday and Sunday. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Tyler Rocky here on ESPN 1000 and across the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Hey, bring your family of four to a White Sox game this summer, all starting at $70 with a family four-pack presented by ExxonMobil. You'll get four tickets, four hot dogs, four drinks, and four chips to select games. Plus, with every purchase, you have the chance to win mobile gasoline for a year. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash packs. So getting into the the measuring stick nature of what this series is. I think a lot of people last year were underwhelmed with how the White Sox performed against above 500 teams. And that's a fair complaint and a gripe to have with your favorite baseball team. And I look at what the Sox did in the offseason to try to make sure that you can contend with the best of the best. You bolstered up that bullpen significantly. You brought in A.J. AJ Pollock in the trade for Craig Kimbrell, Um, but by bringing in Kelly, by bringing in Graveman, by bringing in A.J. Pollock to try to solidify the rest of your outfield there with trying to get whatever you could for Craig Kimbrell, this team certainly took strides, but you still see the record against some of these really talented offenses in the American League. I've got the numbers here. So against the six best offenses in the AL in runs per game, this team right now is 5-12. and 12. They have just the one series win against Tampa Bay. But even in that Tampa series, they scored three runs across the board in all three games. I expect the bats to heat up at a certain point, and I think we're going to start to get into that now that the weather certainly has turned. You, you heard all the stats about how no team had played in colder games than the White Sox had over the course of April. I think we're going to see all of that start to improve. So, I want to hear from you though. This is White Sox Weekly. It's your show as well. 312-332-3776. How are you feeling about the White Sox through 31 games? The record certainly isn't what you expected it to be, nor do I think White Sox fans are pleased with what the record is right now, but we've seen a couple of breaks not go the White Sox way. Eloy Jimenez with the injury Lance Lynn, before the season got going with the injury. You're just getting back Yoan Moncada and Joe Kelly. There's a lot of things that have happened to this White Sox team in the early going, and I think it's going to be how they overcome that and what players are going to step up. You're getting some good news today. Andrew Vaughn's back in the lineup. That, to me, is certainly... Something that this White Sox team needed if they wanted to have success because I I love Andrew Vaughn. He's one of my favorite players and favorite hitters to watch on this White Sox team. In a lineup that's got a lot of really impressive hitters, Vaughn's right there with them. And you think about some of the offensive struggles that this team had in the early going. Andrew Vaughn was there to sort of alleviate some of that. He came up with some big hits throughout the course of the early portions of the season. But when you look on the other side and when you're kind of stacking up how this team is against some of the league's best, and the Yankees are certainly one of the teams that you circle when it comes to the best of the best right now, you have to take advantage early. I talked about it a little bit earlier about getting this White Sox team and playing from ahead. Now, when you're the home team, it can be tough to play from ahead when this is a Yankees team that can go out there, pounce on you in the first inning like they have in each of the first two games so far. But the White Sox did have a chance, especially against a good pitcher like Garrett Cole is, a Cy Young caliber pitcher on the other side. And Cole, you have to take the opportunities when they're presented to yourself. And last night, Tony La talked a little bit about this on the White Sox and what it meant really for the entirety of the game when they didn't score in that first inning against Cole,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's one of the key parts of the game, I thought, because you know we had the uh, we caught a break, and uh, but he I mean he made pitches to get the hitters out. Yeah, I give him credit, and that's really when uh, we got torched today. It was almost always just missed our location and. See, the catcher was sitting up and pitching in a different place, and, and that's what uh, hitters were supposed to do. They are supposed to punish you, and they did.
2: And really, you kind of hear the twofold there, right? Not only did the White Sox not capitalize in, in an early game situation, but also, on the other side, you've got... A murderer's row lineup of Yankees. I mean, here's yesterday's lineup for the Yankees. This is without Anthony Rizzo, who's been one of MLB's leaders in home runs. He had the day off yesterday, but it starts with LeMahieu. Then you get Aaron Judge, who has torched this White Sox team through the first two games. Josh Donaldson, we've documented what he's done against the Sox. Giancarlo Stanton, another mammoth performance from him. He hits another long home run, Glaber Torres, Joey Gallo, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Trevino, and Hicks to to round out your starting nine there. And, And that, to me, just kind of shows the depth of this Yankees lineup, but it's not like you don't have those sort of boppers on the other side for the White Sox, too. You've got Tim Anderson. You've got Joan Moncada, Jose Abreu, albeit a struggling Abreu right now. Luis Robert, Gavin Sheets, he hits a home run yesterday. AJ Pollock, he's done it over the course of his career. So, well, the the White Sox lineup right now, and again, there's missing pieces too. We mentioned Vaughn's coming back today, Eloy is still on the shelf right now with that injury. But this is something that the White Sox can. They can contend, they've got the pieces right now. It just sort of feels unsynchronized at the moment for the White Sox. We're going to talk to Connor McKnight when we come back. He is calling play-by-play of today's game with Darren Jackson. First pitch at six ten between the White Sox and the Yankees as the Sox try to salvage a split against the Yankees. We'll talk to Connor McKnight when we come back on White Sox Weekly. <laughs> on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight on this lovely Saturday afternoon. Boy, did we get a great weather weekend for baseball for one of the premier uh, franchises coming in to Guaranteed Rate Field, which is where we go now to check in with the man who usually occupies this seat on Saturday mornings and afternoons. It's Connor McKnight, who's going to be on the call this afternoon for White Sox and Yankees from Guaranteed Rate Field with Darren Jackson. Connor, how are you, and how's the weather, more importantly? Boy, did we luck out with one of the best weekends of weather that you could have asked for 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 a White Sox-Yankees series.
3: Yeah, this has been really nice out here. It was, uh, it was cool to turn the heaters on this week in town. I think that was a smart idea by those who determine uh, when those heaters turn on. It's been really nice out here. Hopefully the results are a little bit better Saturday and Sunday than they were Thursday and Friday for the White Sox against the Yankees. But it is a, it is a gorgeous afternoon. we got uh, White Sox players taking batting practice right now. General Manager Rick Hans talking with Joe McEwing behind the cage. It's a, it's a real baseball Saturday is
2: what it is. That's lovely to hear. So looking at what this White Sox team, really this week, has been probably uh, – a more upsetting one than White Sox fans were anticipating. I mean, you came into the week with high expectations, right? You're getting Joe Kelly back. You're getting Yoan Moncada back. But then you have that performance against Cleveland uh, on the first of those three games in the series. You have the game get postponed. Now you've dropped two in a row to the Yankees. What to you has been the glaring issue with the White Sox this week so far?
3: Well, so far, I think it's been a a little bit of a lack of offensive performance, which seems weird to say, given the nine runs in the loss to Cleveland and then the seven runs in the other loss to the Yankees, the first loss to the Yankees. I'm still waiting, and I think a lot of people are, for this offense to, to really start to click, to get on base, to be a consistent threat and to get a knock or two with runners in scoring position when uh, it seems like they need to answer. You know, last night, the Yankees put two on the board with another two-run shot, um, and then the White Sox had the bases loaded in the bottom of the first, a chance to answer, maybe even take the lead, uh, but they were unable to do it. And they've they've had their chances. They've gotten their opportunities. They are getting healthier. Yohan Mankata's uh, quite literally in the cage taking hacks right now. And Andrew Vaughn standing outside of it, ready to get back into this lineup. He was a big presence for the White Sox up until the point he got hit in the hand uh, back on April 29th. So they are healthier. I hope this lineup, uh, because it's healthier, is a little bit longer, is a little bit more dangerous. I'd like to see them provide a bit more margin for error for the pitching, which by and large has been very, very good to start the season. Notable hiccups, sure, uh, but, you know, the performances we've seen from guys that truly, really matter, you know, bellwether guys on this team, they've they have been there. And I think that's something they can hang their hat on.
2: You know, you brought up how it's weird with the offense. They, it feels like that's been the issue, even though they've had some big performances this week. One of the things that I, I heard on our flagship station, ESPN 1000, Jonathan Hood, David Kaplan, talking about the one word you would use to describe the White Sox through the first 30, 31 games of the season and the word that I would use is unsync, unsynced. Is that a word? I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making up a word, but people Can't know be, what I mean, right? It. Yeah,
3: we can give that to you. But I would not let you play it in Scrabble. Were we playing fair enough. against one another?
2: I don't think it would give me that many points. It might give me a fair yeah, number no- You get number the Y, you get yeah. the, uh, maybe not. The CH will get you a good amount. Hopefully it's on a triple word. Um, but it feels like we see this team go out there, and the offense is clicking. It's putting up some of these big numbers but then you see the pitching maybe take a step back. Or vice versa, where the pitching maybe holds the opposition to two or three runs, but the offense is only getting you one. Yeah, the, the way I
3: kind of see this team right now is is this is a very good pitching staff, top to bottom, that has had the kind of performances that, that always get a good pitching staff. You know, you're going to have your clunkers. You're going to have a couple of starts that don't go your way. Bullpens are bullpens, and you're going to have some that don't go your way either. Uh, this offense is should be one that floats you a little bit right. higher than others and, and you know we've we've talked a lot in the first month of the season about the weather and how bad that's been how tough that's been for all hitters we've talked about this baseball and how it's uh, a lot like hitting a wet sock filled with concrete doesn't go a lot of places so that's kind of tough but you know every team's had to deal with that so i i think for the white Sox, the the word i would use for the offense is swingy they've they swing a lot they put a yeah. lot of balls in play they're they're right around the seventy percent mark of, of putting balls in play and that is a rate that that's like the mid 2010s Royals rate you know that that is a very ball in play kind of offense that should return better results it hasn't yet I'd like to see them be a, a touch more patient Vaughn and Moncada ought to help that um, but i I think this is one where. You know, you you should be able to get better results here. And, and two, you know, they're playing a lot of games in a lot of days in this particular stretch. Uh, the yeah. test is on for the White Sox pitching staff in terms of the starters and bullpen. And Lucas Giolito now being on the COVID list, uh, it, it does sound like Lucas is on pace or feeling well enough that Tony La Russa told reporters today that Lucas. Should be able to make one of the starts against the Royals this coming week. Which one is a little bit unclear.
2: Well, there's five to pick from. So. Yeah, there are there are five. To <laughs> the pick rare five game series.
3: Yeah, it, it sounds like Dylan Cease is going to stay on regular rest, which puts him on Tuesday in one of those two doubleheader games. Sounds like the night game, uh, but I'm not sure that could move around. Monday's game is a little up in question. Some Johnny Cueto's in conversation there, but it did. You know, Tony did say that the way things are right now, White Sox can. Probably hope for Lucas Giolito to make one of those starts against the Kansas City Royals.
2: Well that's good news. And for a team that over the past couple of seasons, the health has been paramount. To get as much health news in the right direction this week as as we've gotten for the White Sox, certainly a good thing. Talking with Connor McKnight here on White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, he's got the call with Darren Jackson today, 6'10 first pitch from guaranteed right field between the White Sox and the Yankees. You brought up the putting balls in play metrics with the White Sox being much improved. And that's something very interesting and something that I was actually going to get to later on in the show because MLB.com put together something, and it was the seven most improved hitters of 2022. And the first name on that list, believe it or not, was Tim Anderson. Mm. And you think to yourself... This is a guy who hits 300 year after year. How can he be a quote-unquote improved hitter or at least be put in this category of improved hitters? Because improving from a 315 to 330 or whatever number you jump to isn't really improvement per se. It's just going from great and pretty much staying at great, at least in my book is the way I looked at it. But the thing that they brought up is... The strikeout numbers with Tim are way down this year. He's putting the ball in play so much more. And you've talked about this a lot, too. This team goes as T.A. goes. And to see him putting the ball in play as much as he is now, certainly a good thing for this team.
3: Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, 14 strikeouts for Tim Anderson right now. He's got three walks, one intentional walk. I was actually just, my my book, you know, where I keep scores. Is, mm-hmm. is in the other broadcast booth right now. But I was just writing down some things about T.A., and I, I I noticed the same thing. I, I was as I was writing down the strikeout numbers. I was like, well, fourteen. That's yeah. That's not a lot of strikeouts, especially when you consider who Tim is and and how often he swings. Uh, the rate of return for him, like this is this is where I understand frustration kind of existing. Tim's on base a lot. You know, Tim's yeah. on base a lot. He probably ought to have more runs scored than he does. Tim's on base a lot. Uh, I I think you could probably say that this offense should. You know, score in the first inning as often as as just about any other in baseball because of what he can do to get on base and what he can do once he's on base. And I think, you know, when you hear Tony La Russa, uh, he said something two weeks ago. I want to say I, I think it was toward the end of the eight game losing streak. and He said, you know, I've got reasons for some things, but I learned a long time ago that sometimes you start listing reasons and it sounds like excuses. And I, I know that that aggravates people. And I thought that was. You know, that's the kind of thing that a guy who's got, you know, three, four, five, six decades in baseball kind of understands. It's it's now the point. Like, this is, we are done with April. We are well into May. We are approaching June, right? This is where I think it's fair to look for this White Sox offense to become the dynamic force that it looks like it ought to be on paper. Um, and, I, you know, it, it could start tonight. The Yankees are throwing a lefty on the, on the mound yeah. today, granted mm-hmm. a talented one. Um, but that's a guy, that's the type of stuff that the White Sox should hit. This is a lineup that's got just about everybody now, and Aloy Jimenez is going to take some cuts in the cage, it looks like, in just a few minutes, so that's, you know, he should be coming back, I, I would imagine, fairly soon from the hamstring surgery, so this is, this is getting close here for the White Sox. The, the pedal ought to be, you know, hitting the floor here, and if it's not against this Yankees team who is as hot as anybody Then go clean up against the Royals next week, win four of
2: five, and get yourself on a roll. Before we get out of here, Connor, I do need to ask you about Jose Abreu because Mm. he's now 0 for his last 20. May is a time where we usually see Jose get a little bit better. What are you noticing with Jose that maybe is contributing to this funk he's in right now?
3: You know, it's funny. When when Jose does get into cold stretches. It's often, it looks like he swings it a lot on the inner third and even inside the inner third when guys are really coming after him. You know, we've talked for a while now since Jose's rookie season that the scouting report on him is pitch him inside, he's got a hole in the swing in there, throw him. That's why he gets hit as often as he does. That and the whole uh, I don't feel pain, I am built of pure steel kind of thing that Abreu does, (laughs) that whole deal. Uh, But that's why you see him get hit a lot. He's actually, he's not... Seemingly going after a ton of stuff on the inner third or even closer to him right now. I think you know as good as the the series in Boston was for him, he seems to be just a little bit off balance. Could be a case of could be a case of just not seeing it as well as you want to see it. Guys go through spurts like that. Um, it is a little bit of an anathema to me to to see what Jose Abreu is uh, or is not doing, not producing right now, and not really being able to tell. Uh, based on his past performances or past skids, I should say, uh, exactly what's happening to him. I, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, that's not doom and gloom. That's just, oh, this looks a little bit different than it typically does when he struggles. Wonder what that's about. Um, I think you take the, uh, I think you take the hard hit rates that Jose has put up this year and go, okay, that guy's still in there. I think you trust Jose to get back to business. Um, when that'll be, you know, sooner it is, definitely helps this lineup.
2: The one thing that I've noticed that's odd with him is, he, every, again, every hitter's gonna go through these stretches of really cold and really poor hitting, right? It's just the nature of baseball. But sprinkled in there, you usually see oh, here's a walk, here's a hit by pitch. And you bring up, Jose gets hit by a lot of pitches. But during this 0 for twenty stretch, he's only walked once, and that came last night. Yeah. That to me has been the odd part.
3: And that's and that's despite Jose walking uh twelve times this that's more walks than he usually would have at this point in the season. Yeah. He's been a very patient hitter. I, I think I think teams have come after him a little bit. I think they're I think up and down this White Sox lineup, something that's been just a bit frustrating is their lack of ability to kind of turn on fastballs, I think in a lot of different counts. Um I, I don't think that's a, you know, endemic thing, I think it's just unfortunate. guys are looking to turn. Gavin Sheets is starting to do that now. He's got three home runs in the last four games, and you've seen a couple of those come on heaters. I I think, you know, I I think that may be a result here. It's just that essentially, or, or the result has been guys have gotten fastballs by a few more hitters than they probably will later on in the season here against the White Sox, or as the season goes. Maybe that's you know, maybe that's the result. The cause, you know, we're we're still looking for that. We're not inside Jose's head necessarily, but that, the, that result says something to me.
2: Yep. All right. Connor McKnight, you'll hear him on the call with Darren Jackson. First pitch, 6'10", from Guaranteed Rate Field. Thanks for checking in today, Connor. Always a pleasure, Tyler. Before we get to the best way to see the White Sox this season, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Secure your spot this season with a White Sox ticket package. The best way to get the best seats at the best prices, plus enjoy postseason priority, flexible pay- payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312 674 1000. That's 312 674 1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight today on White Sox Weekly. When we come back, I want to hear from you out there, the White Sox fan. Who is the most important player to getting this team back on track? Is it someone right now that's struggling, like a Jose Abreu that I just talked about with Connor? Is it someone who needs to step up? Or is it someone who just needs to get healthy? We'll dive into that a little bit more when we come back. 312-332-3776 if you want to weigh in. 312-332-3776. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000, Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Network. Tyler Aki with you here till 5.30. Then we'll kick things into pregame mode on the FanDuel Sportsbook White Sox pregame show. First pitch at 6.10 from Guaranteed Rate Field. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson have the call for you there. It'll be Dallas Keuchel getting the ball. Battle of lefties as he goes up against the Southpaw from the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery. Both of those pitchers have had success in the past. Now, Keuchel, in particular, has been pretty good against the Yankees over the course of his career, only allowed three runs or less eight times and two runs or less five times in his nine starts against the Yankees. So as much as people have documented the struggles of Dallas Keuchel, this is a Yankees organization that he has traditionally had some success against. So we'll see if Dallas can... Get that going today against the men in pinstripes. All right. We were talking a little bit, and I was talking with Connor a little bit about some of the things and some of the differences that you're seeing with the White Sox from last year to this year, and also some of the players that you need to see step up on this White Sox team. Right now, 15 and 16 is not where anyone expected this White Sox team to be through the first 31 games of the season. I was talking a little bit with Connor. It feels like this team is out of sync. Some days you'll get great pitching performances, but you don't have the complementary hitting performances or at least satisfactory hitting performances. It feels like these two entities are always on polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And I know a lot of people are going to point to the defense. And don't get me wrong. The defense has been a big issue with this team. 26 errors in 31 games. That's tied for 29th in all of baseball right now. There's only 30 teams. So you are second to last in that. And I think the thing that maybe is most shocking with all of that is the fact that this team strikes out as many batters as it does. When you've got pitchers that have great put-away stuff, I mean, how many double-digit strikeout performances have we seen out of Dylan Cease? You've got guys like Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopeck, some very strikeout-heavy pitchers in your rotation, and you're still getting the amount of errors that you are That's alarming. But errors are not something that are new to the White Sox. They've been outside the top 24 in all of baseball over the last five years. The last time they were inside the league's top two-thirds, top 20 in all of baseball, you have to go back to 2016. Errors are nothing new for the White Sox. Now, that's not an excuse for things. Obviously, the defense has to shore up. And it's been better over the last couple of games. You've gone three straight games now without committing an error. But I think there's still some things in there defensively. Like there was the one play, it was the first batter of the game actually yesterday when Jose Abreu overcommitted on a ball. Luckily though, Vince Velasquez did a fantastic job getting over and covering first and Josh Harrison made a great play. Josh Harrison also fumbled the ball, too, on what could have been an easy put-away double play to get out of an inning as well. These aren't errors per se, but there's mistakes. There's defensive miscues that maybe don't show up in the stat sheet. But again, struggling defense isn't something that's necessarily new for the White Sox. It's something that you obviously want to see get better and can get better. It certainly can, and who knows? Maybe there's a deadline move or, or before the deadline move that is more defensive-minded that Rick Hahn is looking at making. But to me, the, the one of the biggest differences you see is this team, and it kind of goes into what Connor and I were talking about too, about the walks. This is a team that is not getting the base on balls that it was getting a season ago. Last year, this was a team that was top 10, Now it's a team that does not get a lot of walks. In fact, they are last in all of baseball right now with just 70 walks through 31 games. The next team in line is Boston. They've got 79, and you look at the gap there, that's a sizable gap from 30th to 29th, nine walks there. In fact, spot to spot, it is the largest gap of any teams in the walk rankings. So that's another thing, and again, you're getting guys like Andrew Vaughn back. You're, you're getting Johan Moncada back. He, he's been back this week. That should improve with those guys in the lineup. At least that's the hope right now. This team certainly has some, some struggles, and it's going through some stuff with injuries right now, but you're getting healthier. You heard Connor say it's looking like Lucas Giolito can hopefully make one of those five starts that you're going to have against the Royals next week. But again, the, the schedule's tough. The schedule is going to be grueling for this White Sox team coming up. You look at what's on the horizon for the Sox, you're closing out this series against the Yankees. Then you've got five games on the road in Kansas City. That's not going to be – I get the Royals have had their struggles. It's never easy when you play a team five times because you, you almost never see it, right? Right this is a rare thing because there is that scheduled doubleheader that's getting made up in this series right here. So you're going to have the five against the Yankees. You're going to have the three, or the five against the Royals, rather, the three against the Yankees. Then you've got three at home against Boston. And I know that you've beaten up on Boston already once this year, but a lot of people talking about how the White Sox bats are going to wake up with the weather. The Red Sox are a potent offensive team who I'd imagine the bats are going to wake up with. There's dudes in that lineup. They just got to get going, whether it's Xander Bogarts, whether it's Rafael Devers, there's dudes in that lineup. And then there's the Cubs. You've got to pair with the Cubs, and I know the Cubs are down right now, but we've seen this from the other side. When the Sox were down and the Cubs were going through that run and it was the chippy White Sox teams that would steal a couple games from the Cubs, and maybe the Cubs are going to try to channel some of that the other way. And then you've got on the road against Toronto, on the road against Tampa, at home against the Dodgers. This is a really tough stretch of baseball coming up for this White Sox team, and they're going to need some players to step up along that stretch. One of them, the, the guy who, who I'm pinpointing here is Jose Abreu. 0 for 20 stretch right now. I mentioned with Connor, he's only reached base once over the course of that stretch. It was the walk that came last night. You know, Mays, usually when you see the power numbers start to elevate a little bit with Jose. 39 career home runs, in the month of May, that's the second most he has of any month over the course of the career. I'd expect it to get better at a certain point with Jose. But I want to hear from you 312 332 3776. Who is the player who, if they step up, this team is going to start to go a little bit? And you're going to play above 500 baseball and work your way back into the thick of things and get yourself back atop the AL Central. Who is that player for you? Is it Abreu just stepping up? Is it getting Lance Lynn back? Is it Johan Moncada sparking this lineup now that he's back after suffering an injury early on in the season? Is it, hey, we've got Andrew Vaughn back now. That, that's a guy that can mash a couple home runs for us and get this offense rolling. Who's that guy for you? 312-332-3776. Love to hear from you. And also want to remind you to grab your friends and head to the park for Miller Lite Bleachers and Brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $27 all season long. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID. To per- purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash brew. I'm Tyler Aki here on White Sox Weekly. When we come back, we'll take your calls. Who is that player for you? That if he gets going, this White Sox team's gonna get going. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's coming up next here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN One Thousand Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So White Sox Weekly here on ESPN One Thousand and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Tyler Aki. In for Connor McKnight. He's got the big chair today. He'll be alongside Darren Jackson for first pitch of White Sox and Yankees. That's coming up at 6.10. The pregame show starts at 5.30. Let's go out to the phones and talk with one of the revelations for this White Sox team here through the first 31 games. It's Bennett Sousa who joins us, the lefty reliever for the White Sox. Bennett, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on White Sox Weekly.
4: No problem. Glad to to talk to you guys.
2: So you got off to a really hot start this season, rookie campaign for you. But what was that first sort of pinch me moment of getting up to the big leagues and and going out there and balling like you did through those first couple of outings? I mean, obviously
4: pitching on opening day in Detroit was uh, you know pretty special to uh, to to pitch on opening day. That's something that that you know now I can say I've done and, and. you know, after that, then it was the first outing here in Chicago. That was, I was almost more nervous for that one than than opening day. Um, but just you know, kind of keep building off of each outing and 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 making it you know more comfortable as I continue along.
2: What's been one of the biggest lessons you've learned about yourself here through these first couple of games that you've been a part of?
4: I mean, I think I think the biggest difference. Uh, and, and obviously, a lesson too from, from Major League Baseball to Minor League is, especially as a reliever, is, is mentally being ready every single day. Um, you know, in the Minor Leagues as a reliever, you kind of know when you're going to pitch, um, to say, but up here, you got to be ready every single day. And, and physically and more mentally, um, that, can be, that can be taxing, and you have to lock it in and be ready.
2: Talking with White Sox lefty reliever Bennett Sousa here on White Sox Weekly on the ESPN One Thousand Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So Bennett, this is a roster that's got a lot of characters, a lot of guys, a lot of good leaders on this team. But has mm-hmm. there been a guy for you as a rookie that sort of brought you along and taken you under their wing?
4: I mean, I'm going to go right to our, our bullpen, obviously, because I'm, I'm that's, that's who I hang out with the most. But but three guys, you know, veteran guys. That I've been with is is Bummer and and Graveman and, and Liam. You know those three guys have done it for a while now and and uh, have kind of showed me uh, you know the way a little bit um, and helped me out and definitely gave me some some lessons uh, in the first month and a half here. Uh, and they've been they've been huge. Just watching those guys go back to their work every day has been a big help for me.
2: So. I've always been fascinated with with relievers and you're sitting out there in the bullpen over the course of the game to what are the conversations like out there? How do you guys pass the time through innings like 1 through 5 when you're just shooting the breeze out there?
4: Yeah, I mean a lot a, a lot of the time we're, we're we're just really just cheering on our our teammates that are that are playing at the at that time. Um, you know, there's a few funny and weird conversations that pop up at times, but for the ma- most part we're we're locked in. From inning one to watching, watching what our pitchers are doing, how they're approaching hitters, um, and cheering on our hitters to to get us some runs and uh, and so we can win this game.
2: Talking with Bennett Sousa here on White Sox Weekly, Tyler Rocky with you here till five thirty, and then we'll get the pregame show rolling after that. Okay, so you are an alum of the Orleans Firebirds of or the Cape Cod Baseball League. Mm-hmm. I myself am also an alum. Now, I was in a different capacity. I was doing the broadcaster. I, I was one of those people <laughs> that was flagging you down, and I wasn't with you guys. I was, I think, two years after you were there. But okay. w- what do you remember about your time with Orleans?
4: Well, so I, I went to Orleans at the end of the, uh, the summer. I forget the year. I was going to my year. 2015, I believe. 20, 2016, yeah. yeah. Um, or 15, whatever it was. But... Uh, uh, no, I mean, the Cape Cod League, obviously, it's it's great college baseball. It's the best place you could play in the summer. Um, you know, I, I remember we had a stacked team. I think that team, one, had, like, the most wins in Cape Cod history or something like that at that time. I, I, I forget, but I just remember we were winning every game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, it was, it was a great experience, and I recommend that anyone that has an opportunity to play there, definitely play there.
2: And I would say, too, as a baseball fan, I mean, talk about some of the gems, like the hidden gems of baseball. Going uh, out to Cape Cod for a summer and seeing some of those games is unbelievable.
4: Yeah, that's for a fan. I mean, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, and then obviously playing in it, too. You know, you have the beaches right there. You have great baseball, great summer weather. It's uh, it's hard to beat.
2: Yeah, great food as well. Yeah. So how how often were you getting a lobster roll out there?
4: Oh, I think at least twice a week I got a lobster roll but there was one I can't remember the name of it but there was one like it was, it was like a Chipotle but it wasn't Chipotle and it was it was it was really good but I, I forget the name of it
2: yeah, I'm trying to think of what it was that, that, yeah, uh, it, again, it, it's been so long ago. I know. You forget some of these spots out there, but it's one of those places where you go there and you'd love to go back. So Kelly Nicholson was your manager out there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's one of the best characters in, in baseball too, that you're going to find. Well, no what doubt. are some of the things that he taught you when you were on the Cape?
4: You know, he, he, I just remember with him, every time I saw him, he's always saying lefty. You know, left-handed, right? He'd, yeah, left-handed, and, and he'd always shake me with his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> so that was always that was always funny. But, no, he was a great guy, great coach. Um, you know, he's a legend for the, the Firebirds. Uh, and, uh, you know, hope, hope he's still doing well. Yeah.
2: Bennett Sousa with us here on White Sox Weekly for a few more minutes. So looking through um, some of the other stuff that's been going on with you and the team so far, obviously 15 and 16 not where – Maybe you were expecting to be right now. What is it like with the the leadership? And what are guys saying to each other in the locker room right now when you're going through some of these rough stretches like you guys had so far this season?
4: I mean, I think as a team, you know, we we're, we're, we have all the talent in the world. I mean, this, this team is, is is very talented, and everyone goes and does their business every single day and, and is prepared to play. Um, you know, obviously we haven't started off how we wanted to, but... That's why there's 162 games. You know, there's a lot, a lot of baseball left and a lot of time to, uh, to turn things around, which we will. Um, but we just got to keep, keep being prepared every single day and, and, and playing as hard as we can. And, and, I, and this team will turn it right around.
2: What's it like with Liam Hendricks? Because, I mean, he comes <laughs> on the station every once in a while here, and yeah. boy, is he a character. I, I know he, he talked this week with uh, one of the shows about how he watches the same episode of Bones before he goes to bed every single night on the road. What's it like being around this guy for, an, like, a three-hour, four-hour time span?
4: He's, he's definitely a character. Um, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to, to learn more about him. Um, but he he's a great teammate first off, uh, and and he, he keeps things light, which is always nice, you know, in, in a sport that's that's full of failure, um, and that's something that I definitely learned from him. Um, but he you know he he loves to joke around, but he knows how to get serious when when it's time. And honestly, he's one of the best at you know people talk about flipping the switch, right? And uh, he, that's why he's one of the best closers in the game because he he can flip the switch better than anyone that I've seen. Um, And it's impressive.
2: Ben and Sousa with us here on ESPN 1000's Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So last night, you go out there, you pitch two innings, really good stuff against a a deathly lineup that the Yankees throw out there. What's it like when you're going through that lineup and you just see, I mean, there's eight or nine guys on that lineup card that are all-star caliber guys? Right. Um, I mean, you just got
4: to take it one pitch at a time. I know that's cliche to say, but, but it's, it's really true. You can't, you can't let the moment get too big or, or think about who you're facing because, you know, we're all, we're all playing in the major leagues. We're all, you know, we're all capable of getting hitting. They can get a hit off me. I can get them out. That's why, that's why we're here. Um, but just one pitch at a time and, and you hope you execute your pitches and, and good things uh, happen, um, and that's kind of how I took it last night. And especially for two innings, you know, that's usually not a rule that that I uh, that I do even in the minor leagues. Two innings never really happened that much, but I knew that I kind of had to get through it, um, especially in that game. And and it worked out for us.
2: What's it like having a guy like Tony Larusa as your manager, mm-hmm. and that's your first manager coming yeah. into baseball?
4: <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, You know he's he's obviously a legend um and to have him as a manager as the only big league manager i know right now you know Mm -hmm. uh it's it's definitely it's definitely a treat and just try to to learn and and soak in um the stuff that that he talks to us about uh and just kind of like i said learn every day something new from from him from you know, uh, other guys in the bullpen from anyone on this team, especially being a rookie. It's just I'm trying to soak it all in and, and to help my own career, you know?
2: Absolutely. All right, Bennett Sousa with us on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us here today, and best of luck the rest of the season. I appreciate it. That's Bennett Sousa. He's been one of the revelations for this White Sox team here in the early stages of this season, not even a fifth of the way through, not even 20% yet. But when you've got emerging bullpen arms, one thing that every baseball team learns is you can never have enough of those relief arms. Reconnect with your group at Guaranteed Rate Field this season. No matter the occasion, we have a variety of spaces that are sure to meet your needs. After all, White Sox games are better with a group. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash groups. We're going to get to all of your phone calls when we come back here on White Sox Weekly. Bobby, JR, hold on on the line. I want to know from you, White Sox fans, who are the players or is there a single player that you need to see step up? If you want to see this White Sox team flip the switch, it's not easy to just turn it on. Some of these players need to start getting out of some of these funk's here that we've seen early on whether it's offensively, defensively, on the mound. Who is that one player for you? 3123323776. Who's that guy that can lead this team to start winning some more baseball games? That's coming up when we come back here on White Sox Weekly.
0: It's time for the next whiskey you special tasting event, brought to you by Templeton Rye Whiskey, guys. It's Carmen. I'm going to be at
2: Flagship on the Fox in St. Charles Wednesday, May 18th, from 6:30 to 8:30.
0: Come out, taste
2: some Templeton Rye. They're made a bit differently, with 95 percent rye and 5 percent malted
0: barley in the mash bill. The aging process in barrels gives flavors inspired by those made by the Templeton bootleggers a century ago. Come to Flagship on the Fox, May 18th, from 6:30 to
2: 8:30, and please drink responsibly.
0: As an official partner of the Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field, Granger pitches in to help make the friendly confines a game day and year-round destination from ballparks to boardrooms and plant floors to front doors everywhere. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. For the Cubs, that means the products when and where they need them, 24-7 customer service, safety solutions, and more. Call, click Granger.com or stop by one of five Chicago-area locations to get what you need. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, it's Yurko. Have you taken my advice and checked out my friends at 3CHI? That's the number 3-CHI. They're the industry leaders in Delta 8 THC products. They invented a way to make the first federally legal Delta 8 THC in the world. Delta 8 is a more functional alternative to marijuana. You get the same amazing buzz and body feel, but without the negative side effects. No paranoia, anxiety, or foggy head. 3C allows me to kick back and relax, but with a clearer head. Those aches and pains are diminished, and the good kid can just unwind. I love the tinctures and all the different edible options. Rice Krispie treats, brownies, cookies, and gummies. And try the new Delta A THC drink mixes. Flavorless to add to your coffee or tea, or the drink enhancer available in tangerine lime and pink lemonade. Take my advice. Visit 3CHI.com. That's the number 3CHI.com. And use promo code ESPN5 to receive 5% off your order. That's ESPN5. You must be 21 or older to purchase. Please use responsibly.
2: Fogo G. Shawn's new bone-in cuts are a marvel in flavor. As the gaucho would describe, the bone in our double cut pork chop and bone in ribeye locks in moisture, giving the meat a bold, savory goodness as it slowly roasts over the fire. Translated into simpler terms, so much yum. New premium bone in cuts, now part of the Fushu Haskell. It's what's next at Fogoji Show.
3: Irene Rodriguez, Director
1: of Operations at Upper Deck Staffing. Career
2: seekers have unique skills and traits. We work hard to put your strengths in a place that you'll thrive.
1: Upper Deck Staffing.
2: Whether you need work right away, need a second chance, or are looking for a real career, Upper Deck Staffing gets it and gets to work for you. We're doing our job by placing you in your dream job.
3: Get started today. Visit UpperDeckStaffing.com.
2: Don't strike out with the other guys. Hit a home run with Upper Deck Staffing. Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Connor McKnight has, I won't say the night off, he's still working tonight. He's just not working this shift that he's used to working. He'll be on the call with Darren Jackson. He's got the play-by-play starting at 6-10 tonight. White Sox and Yankees from Guaranteed Rate Field. And this is Tyler Rocky with you today on White Sox Weekly. I'll also be with you starting at 5.30 for the FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show as well. So we'll have you covered wall-to-wall with White Sox action and content with you up until first pitch. So we've been talking a little bit today on the show about who are the players, who is the player, who is the guy that's going to start leading this team to playing some more winning baseball. Now, I get it. It's a team sport in every sense of the word here, especially when you've got rosters as large as baseball does. But sometimes you see one player sort of spark a team, get a team going, and they're the guy that leads some winning streaks, contributes to some winning baseball. And right now, I'm trying to pick that guy for the White Sox. But I want to hear from you guys as well. Let's head on out to the phones. Let's check in with Bobby, who's in Bucktown. What's going on, Bobby?
4: Hey, Tyler. How you doing? It's Bobby Wass calling in.
2: Hey, what's going on, Bobby? How you doing?
4: Hey, I'm well. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the defense tonight. Um, Keichel's obviously up there pitching. And uh, I think if he's on, he's going to be throwing a lot of ground balls. And, you know, with people in that uh, Yankees lineup like Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, If he's pitching them and they're hitting them, it's going to be coming fast. I think the infielders have to be ready. And I think it's not about uh, making all the great plays, but it's about making the plays that come to you hot off the bat and getting the throw to first and getting the easy outs, routine outs. And also I think T.A. is the one who's going to spark it all the time when he's at the top of that lineup. He's always hitting great in that uh, leadoff spot. So uh, I'll hang up and let you let you talk and I'll
2: listen. Yeah, and thanks thanks for the call, Bobby. And he leaves the line open 312-332-3776. If you want to jump in with your thoughts here. I think Tim Anderson's a, a good pick, even though Tim's played well so far this season. And I talked about this with Connor McKnight when he was on the show earlier. But this team goes as Tim Anderson goes. I think that's apparent. Look at the, the numbers here, all right? So Tim's played in 27 games this season. In the thirteen wins that he's had so far, he's hitting four hundred forty two, an eleven sixty five OPS, three home runs, eight runs batted in, and a one hundred ninety-two OPS plus. That's adjusted two for for the splits as well. In the fourteen losses that the White Sox have had so far when Tim Anderson is in the lineup, the fourteen losses, Tim's hitting two hundred twenty-four, the on base percentage drops to two hundred sixty two. The OPS is almost split in half there down to 607. Only one home run, four runs batted in, and a 113 splits adjusted OPS plus. That to me, kind of shows you everything you need to know, right, with this White Sox team when they're going and when they are at their best, a lot of it is in large part due to Tim Anderson. And Tim's been fantastic this season, all right? Like if you just look at the numbers for Tim, He's hitting 327 right now. He's getting on base at a 362 rate. He's got an OPS plus of 158, which, obviously, early early portion of the season right now. But that is would be the best of his entire career. So Tim has always been sort of my guy, and he's been the guy at the top of the lineup. And we talk a lot about this White Sox team about playing ahead, getting ahead, not just from a hitting standpoint, but also from a pitching standpoint as well. This team is so much better when they are out and playing ahead, playing with the lead, getting out ahead of hitters, getting out ahead of teams in general. And when you are the leadoff hitter like Tim is, that's the spark plug right there. And I am not. This is not meant to be a criticism of Tim Anderson. It just kind of shows the importance that he holds in a White Sox lineup right now. So three one two three three two three seven seven six. Who is that player for you? That you think sparks this White Sox team and gets things going, gets them back atop the AL Central. Joey's in Arlington Heights. What's going on, Joey?
5: Hi, thank you. Uh, I think that Yasmani Grandal, to me, at this point would be would be the White Sox spark with the with with last year and and twenty twenty. Now, yes, sustained injuries and whatnot, but. He he came back and he led that team to to the cha- to the AL championship. But I think that, that what he did with his home runs with his with his on base percentage, that's a great no, but he also he was a he was really great behind the behind the plate. Yeah. And, and and I think that the-
2: that's a good pick right there, Joe, and we appreciate your call there. I look at Yasmani Grandal, again, the, the old-school baseball minds, they look at his raw numbers, and, and it doesn't add up, right? It doesn't make sense why he is the highest-paid player in White Sox history. But when you really dive into things, he gets on base. Last season, he got on base at a 420 clip. This season, the numbers are down. He's only hitting 163. He's getting on base at a 291 clip right there. You'd like those to be much higher for Yazmai, both Both the batting average and the the on-base percentage, but again, he's another one of those players who it takes a little bit of time to get going. I don't have the exact specs in front of me right now from what Yaz's numbers were early on last season, but I remember it was a bit of a building process where he was hitting in the 100s for a while, and then all of a sudden you saw it explode, and, and I, I say explode and getting back up to 220, but at the time it was a, a jump of like 60 points, and A bad April or a bad May can kind of tank your overall batting average, but as long as you are hitting in the right spots and at the right times for teams, that's important. Getting on base, too, that's important. That's something that Yasmani Grandal provides. Now, he's not back there every single game either, but I do think the White Sox are one of those teams who's got the benefit of having two pretty good defensive catchers. I mean, Reese McGuire... He came in as sort of a, okay, the White Sox are bringing in Reese McGuire. Who's Reese McGuire? He's been phenomenal back there as a defensive catcher for this team. And that, to me, has been one of the early revelations for this White Sox team. It is very rarely do you find joy, I feel like, in watching catchers play defense. That's not the case with Reese McGuire. That guy is a hell of a lot of fun to watch behind the plate. So the White Sox are in a good situation situation catching-wise and I know a lot of people over the past couple of years are clamoring for the year, the days of having a, a James McCann back there to sort of spell Yasmani Grandal. But I mean, what, what Reese McGuire has brought from a defensive perspective there, I think, has been pretty significant. Let's go out, take another one here, Jr. in Kenosha, Jr. What's on your mind? Hello. Yep, Jr. You're on White Sox Weekly.
5: Hey, thanks, man, for having me on the line, man. I just want to say, uh, I I got a uh... I got my selection for, to be the uh, the click person would be the uh, uh, I would say from a pitcher stand. It got to be from a from a pitcher. So, so one of the pitchers, I don't care who it is, who's still not pitching the greatest, needs to step up a little bit, a lot more, to give the guys a chance. And number two is uh, uh, number two is when it comes to um, when they're not hitting like they want to hit. You got you got to flip the switch. Flip the, flip the switch. And go to manufacturing runs because our team is built for power, right. but sometimes it ain't there. So you got to do do whatever you can do to get on base and get some runs in. I mean, I know that's like a, a old old fashioned baseball. But you got to do you got to do steel bases and 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 you got to we have the we have the personnel to do this.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a good point there, Jr. This team has potential, so much potential. It's it's oozing with talent. We appreciate the call three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to get in on the conversation right now. We're talking about who is that guy that can really spark this White Sox team. Get this thing going. Because 15 and 16 is not a, a pure representation of how good this White Sox team is. And when you look at the the pitching conversation there that Jr. brought up, I would actually say pitching right now, starting from a starting pitching lens, that is the least of my worries right now if you're a fan of the Chicago White Sox. Because Dylan Cease has stepped up into another gear of becoming a Cy Young-caliber pitcher. Now, he got touched up a little bit in the last game against the Yankees, but he still went out there and struck out 11 Yankees. We've talked about how good that lineup is. He went out there and absolutely shoved against them. Michael Kopech's got a sub-1 ERA. Now, at a certain point, you'd like to see him stretch out a little bit and get uh, some of these longer starts going, and that's going to come with time, I think, with Michael. But when you've got the stuff that he has, and when you are the strikeout pitcher that Kopech can be sometimes you see those pitch counts go up a little bit. And again, we saw this last year too, with Dylan Cease, where he wasn't going maybe as deep into games as you would have liked, but it was because he was maybe working from behind some of these hitters early on. And Kopech maybe is going through a little bit of that, but right now there's no damage being done against Michael Kopech, a sub one ERA with six starts in the bank right now to me. Pretty good. Lucas Giolito. We know what Lucas is. Lucas is one of the studs on this on this staff. You, and then you've got Lance Lynn hopefully coming back sooner rather than later as well. So that's why I wanted to open it up, too, and say, like, one of these guys that can be the difference maker, can be the spark plug for this team, may not have played a single game for the White Sox so far. Lance Lynn being one of those guys. Now, Vince Velasquez... Warrior-level start yesterday. I think he was out there a little bit longer than some Sox fans would have liked. But when you've got some of these guys in the back end of your rotation, you just need whatever you can get out of some of these guys. And Velasquez is one of those guys who no one was expecting him to come in here and be a 1, be a 2, heck, even be a 3 in the starting rotation. When you entered the season with your questions about White Sox starting pitching, A lot of them were contingent on what is Kopech going to be and what is Dylan Cease going to be. And I think so far, again, it's only a month into the season right now, but so far those guys have exceeded your expectations. Wait until Giolito gets back, and as we talked with Connor a little bit earlier, it's hopefully going to be sometime in that five-game series against the Royals, and then wait until Lynn gets back, and then you've really got something. You've got four horses That can give you a really strong start night in and night out. But there's certainly other things that need to go with that. You need to see the offense pick up a little bit because that's been part of the problem is those guys will go out and have spectacular performances on the mound, but they're not getting the offensive support on the other side. It's kind of funny. Garrett Cole almost talked about this from the inverse yesterday about him pitching with the Yankees and having that Yankees lineup. At his disposal to kind of make things easier. Here's Garrett Cole talking yesterday about that Yankees lineup and the insurance that they provide him. It's
1: brutal. (laughs) Um, You know, there's obviously a lot of power. um, And I think, you
4: know, they. There's, a, there's there's different types of hitters. I think Judge and Stanton are obviously um, kind of unicorns. But, you know, we're, we're running out different looks. And um, some guys, every, every guy rather, really works the count and, and doesn't take a pitch off. And so, um, you know, we keep that focus and then just let our talents in on our individual, you know, Strengths shine. It's like really diverse and, and really tough to get through.
2: Now, you heard him talk there at the beginning. The first two words out of his mouth were, it's brutal. And that was in reference to what is it like for opposing pitchers to go up against the lineup that the Yankees have. And you can almost hear in the tone that Cole speaks in, it's like a sigh of relief, a breath of fresh air. He's got, he knows he's got it good where he's at right now. Because of the offense he gets to play with. This Yankees team, over the last 18 games, have six games where they've scored at least 10 runs. When you're getting double-digit runs, it's pretty much a wrap. Especially when you've got some of the pitching and the bullpen arms that that the Yankees do have right now. You almost can, can push the pitching to the side. But, oh, you've got a Cy Young caliber player. In your, in your starting rotation in Garrett Cole. But to, to kind of flip it on the White Sox side, we haven't seen everything get synced up yet, really, with the good hitting and the good pitching. I think it's going to come. I think it's going to come at a certain point. One of those guys that I want to see start to step up a little bit, and one of those guys that we've already talked about a little bit is Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. So Abreu going through a really dry stretch right now. He could use some help. He's in an 0-for-20 stretch right now. I think it's going to get better, but I want to – a little context behind that. And also, I want to get to that MLB.com article that I was talking to Connor about, about Tim Anderson being actually an improving hitter in this White Sox lineup. We'll do all that and more when we come back on White Sox Weekly. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Connor McKnight. Is half off today. He is on the play-by-play duties with Len doing TV. So Connor slides in. He'll be alongside Darren Jackson for White Sox and Yankees first pitch at six ten. The FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show gets going starting at five thirty this evening. I guess it is. This is. It's so light out right now. That you can't even tell what time of day it is right now. But this evening, the White Sox and the Yankees. It should be a beautiful day out at the ballpark as well. We have been blessed with some great weather over the course of one of the marquee series on the, the schedule for the White Sox. Let's get into a little bit with what I've seen out of Tim Anderson and, and Jose Abreu. I want to start with what I'm seeing out of Tim Anderson. And there was a great article on MLB.com about some of the players that have been the most improved hitters of 2022. Andrew Simon wrote this on MLB.com, came out yesterday, and he listed off seven hitters that are actually getting better. And you look through the list. So so Tim's on this list, and then you look at some of the other names, Christian Yelich from the Brewers, Glaber Torres, who the Sox have seen in this series of the Yankees. You've also got Wilson Contreras from the Cubs, Gene Segura from the Phillies, and Rowdy Tellez and Harold Ramirez as well on this list. And one of the things that it feels like Tim's one of those guys that's not like the other right now when you look through that because you look at some of the other names on those on this list and it's guys who have maybe struggled a little bit and are kind of finding a, a bounce-back season right now. I think one of the prime examples of that on this list is Christian Yelich, right? Like, he was one of the guys who really struggled after winning the MVP – that, and then the other day, he goes out and hits for the cycle. But one of the, the metrics that they use here is expected weighted on-base on base average gain. And, and Tims has actually shot up 83 points all the way up to 412. And what this is doing is basically what, based on the balls that you're putting in play and the at-bats that you're putting together, what should your on-base average be? And right now, Tim, even though he's had his struggles defensively, is continuing to make his way up these rankings. And they talk about this. It's all coming because of the hard contact that he is putting together here this season. And a lot of these balls that maybe he's putting on the ground have become line drives and fly balls. And he's getting himself into an elite company in terms of his ability to put his barrel on the ball. And a big part of that is he's not striking out the way that he used to. we were talking about it with Connor McKnight earlier, but Tim, so far this season, has only struck out 14 times. Just let that settle in for a little bit. 14 times, and he's played in 27 games. You're striking out every other game. You look at some of the historic numbers for Tim, And he was usually on a strikeout-per-game basis. You look at last season, 119 strikeouts in 123 games. The 2020 pandemic shortened season, 50 strikeouts in 49 games. Back in 2019, he had 109 strikeouts in 123 games. And you go through every single year of his career, and he's averaging about one strikeout per game. But he is slicing that in half right now. And that's a big reason why... You're seeing this spark that he can provide and why his numbers are so good in the wins. He's hitting 442 in wins for the White Sox this year. In the 14 wins, or rather, I should say, the 13 wins that he has participated in, he's hitting 442. In the 14 losses, that number is almost sliced in half all the way down to 224. So, this team, as Connor has said, and as I'm going to say, it goes as Tim goes. He is the engine to this offense. Meanwhile, on the other side, for, with Jose Abreu, this has been one of the things that has been uncharacteristic, I think, of the White Sox and maybe a reason why some people uh, are getting this warped perception almost uh, of Jose Abreu. But right now he's in the middle of an 0-for-20 funk. And the one thing that has stood out to me over the course of this stretch is usually you see players get on base in some capacity, whether it's reaching on an air, whether it's a fielder's choice, whether it's a walk, a hit-by-pitch, and especially in a guy like Abreu, the hit-by-pitches are certainly a prevalent thing for him. But I think that right now it just seems like he's pressing a little bit. And Tony La Russa talked about this too after the game, about what's going on with Jose Abreu and what's led to the struggles that he has had so far in this start of the month of May?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think he's, he keeps pressing a little bit, but I mean, he got a day, is good. Yeah, you know, the young man yesterday was, you know, he's upper 90s with two pitches, two off-speed pitches, so yeah, thinking about ADHD tomorrow, just to get him off his feet, he, that seemed to have helped him. But uh yeah, you know, he takes the club's ups and downs very personal. So he, it's not just him struggling; he doesn't like him when the team gets beat. So got to pay attention to that.
2: And Jose, certainly one of those guys who is always going to take it a little bit tougher, right? Because he he's one of those guys. He's the engine of this team. He knows how important he is. And by the way, you heard Tony mention this was that was from last night. By the way, Jose. He thought about DHing him for today. He's not. He's going to be at first base. Andrew Vaughn is actually going to be the designated hitter today. We'll get you the lineup and all that stuff in just a little bit here on White Sox Weekly. But I'm with Tony. I think he's just pressing a little bit right now, and it's one of those things where you see some of the swings that he's putting together, and they don't look like Jose Abreu's swings. They look a little unconfident at times. And I think once he starts getting going, once – he may be, and today could be a good thing for him. He's going up against a lefty. This is a White Sox team that torches lefties, right? Albeit, Monk, Jordan Montgomery is a very good lefty. This It's, it's a, a White Sox team that has had its day against lefty pitching. So I'm looking forward to see Jose get back to being the Jose that we know, that, that Jose can provide from game to game. Real quick. Before I tell you about a great way to spend a Sunday, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Join us for Family Sundays at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at $10 and parking for only $15. Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. When we come back, we'll get you the lineup, get you ready for this White Sox and Yankees game three. Sox trying to salvage a split now with the two weekend dates here. This is ESPN 1000, the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. We want to hear from you as well. 312-332-3776. How are you feeling about this White Sox team? 31 games in now, starting to get a little sample size. How are you feeling about the Sox right now? 312-332-3776. White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back. We'll get you the lineup and some pitcher specs as well in just a little bit. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Tyler Rocky. Connor McKnight has your first pitch with Darren Jackson. That's coming up at 610 tonight from Guaranteed Rate Field. Beautiful day for baseball out there at Guaranteed Rate Field. Before we do get to the lineup, I want to take a couple of calls as well. Let's start with Mike. He's in Morton Grove. Mike, what's going on?
5: Yeah. Hey, hi. You know, I, I feel I've been as delusional as everybody about, you know, what to expect from this year. Um, and it all starts, I really think, you know, who can pick up their game? Who needs to pick up their game is the upstairs office. We started with, okay, listen, he he owns the team. Uh, Reinsdorf can hire whoever he wants for manager. He pays the checks. He's got a right. Okay, so now we got La Russa. I think he's more likely to lose us two or three games a year rather than win us two or three games a year. My opinion, from what I've seen. Now, as far as Rick Hahn, I I like, I like Rick Hahn. I like all these guys. But, look, we came into and I could forget Tatis for James Shields. It's going to go down as Lou Brock for Brolio. But forget that. That's all history. We came into the season with two glaring holes right field and we needed some help at starting pitcher right now. We've got a collection of outfielders. I'm afraid to say, nobody can catch the ball, throw the ball, run a route to catch a fly ball. They all look horrible. Pollock looks like a shell of a gold Glover and he's not hitting. We've got another two, three guys. You want to put everybody into the DH spot because they can't catch. Uh, it's really bothersome because this defense is not just like a little problem that's going to go away. We don't have anybody. We have two corner outfield spots, which are absolutely horrible. Uh, it, it drove me nuts to see Ben go to Kansas City, and that's a guy that we coveted. We coveted for years, wanted that guy, and we got a chance to have him. And he would have filled a spot, and we'd have at least two out of three spots filled. So, and then we don't even extend, and the other problem was we needed starting pitching. We didn't even give Rodon a qualifying offer, so we didn't even get a draft pick for him. And he's lights out in San Francisco. I mean, we've got some holes to fill, and they're big holes. And when you were playing the good teams, it shows. Well, my- Listen, we won, we won six in a row against Kansas City and Boston.
2: Sorry, it's just trying to keep it real. Uh, Mike, listen, I, I appreciate the perspective there. Thanks for dragging us all down on this beautiful Saturday. You can kind of tell. He, he starts it off. Yeah, hey, hi. And then he gets into the laundry list of, of all the things that he's upset about with the White Sox. I get the fans' concerns right now. They're valid. This is a 15-16 and 16 team who, quite frankly, has the talents to to have a record that's much closer to the Yankees 24-8 and eight right now than the 15-16 and 16 that this team has right now. I get it. I get it but I just see – I look at – when you talk about some of the things that the, the front office did, the practice is there, right? Like going out and getting A.J. Pollock for Craig Kimbrell in practice, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to see your front office go out and attack. A.J. Pollock's a guy – when I heard that was the return on Craig Kimbrell, I think teams were – probably thinking that the White Sox were almost getting to a point of desperation of trying to uh, to unload Kimbrel. When you look at some of the offseason moves they made, right? Like bringing in Joe Kelly, bringing in Kendall Graveman, to me and to I think a lot of the White Sox fan base, that signaled that this team was moving on from Ke- Craig Kimbrell. And it's almost similar to uh, what you're seeing a little bit right now in the NFL with some of these quarterbacks that are on the market, whether it's a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Baker Mayfield, like there's a level of desperation that some of these teams might have in trying to unload some of these guys where you're not going to get back the return you might want. You're going to be getting back 80 cents on the dollar. I, I didn't feel like the return of A.J. Pollock was an 80 cents on the dollar move. I was actually quite Pleasantly surprised that AJ Pollock was the the return on a guy like Craig Kimbrell So when I look at what the front office did, I think the practice is there. And again, the Carlos Rodon stuff. Yeah, you would have liked to extend the qualifying offer to to get the pick as well. Like that that is a solid gripe. I understand that part, but. I don't know if you necessarily would have gotten Rodon back as well. And again, he's going out there, and he's been phenomenal with the Giants to to start off his new life there. But I, I don't think starting pitching really was on the forefront of this team's mind because they knew what was coming up the pipeline. They knew Dylan Cease would take another step. They knew Kopech would slide into the starting lineup as well. And I think... That sort of two for one there maybe went into the calculus of not bringing back a Carlos Rodon. So, all, all of that I, I get. I get the the fans' frustrations with it, but this is a team that's much better than fifteen and sixteen. And I think you're going to start to see it play out a little bit. But you do have to beware what the schedule could bring because it's not easy over these these next couple of. of of games and weeks, and and even really the next month is going to be really tough for the White Sox when you look at it. I brought it up a little bit earlier. You've got five games, a five-game series, that rare five-game series on the road against Kansas City coming up after you wrap up these two with the Yankees. Then you head out to the Bronx to take on the Yankees for three. Then you got three at home against Boston, a team that I'd expect to wake up offensively. The Cubs, they may not be great right now, but we've seen it in... The series between the Cubs and Sox, sometimes the lesser team is the one that steals a couple games from the better team in these series. And then on the road at Toronto, on the road at Tampa Bay, at home against the Dodgers. That's your next month or so of White Sox baseball there. So a lot of these players are going to have to start stepping up too. And it starts in trying to get this split against the Yankees today, coming up at 6-10 here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Connor McKnight, Darren Jackson will have you with first pitch at 6'10". Let's get you those starting lineups for today. First, for the White Sox, not a lot of shuffle here among the top. You've got Tim Anderson leading off and playing short. Yoan Moncada over at third. Luis Robert in the three spot and playing center field. Jose Abreu, there's some speculation. Would he DH today because of his struggles that he's had at the plate so far? He's 0 for 20 over his last 20 at-bats, but he is going to be hitting cleanup today. This is the welcome, the welcome back. This is Andrew Vaughn coming back. He has really been one of the bright spots offensively for a team that struggled to get going offensively. But then, you remember, Andrew Vaughn got hit on the hand. He did a rehab assignment down in Charlotte. That went very, very well. And Vaughn is going to be back in the lineup for the White Sox today. DHing, hitting fifth. You've got Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. A.J. Pollock out in left and hitting seventh. Adam Engel gets the nod in right field today. And then Josh Harrison rounds out the nine. And he is over at second base. Meanwhile, on the other side, for the New York Yankees, you've got D.J. LeMahieu. He's over at third. Aaron Judge. White Sox need to cool him down. He, he has done a number of... On this White Sox team so far. We'll see what Dallas Keuchel can bring to the table against Aaron Judge. And then Anthony Rizzo, he's back in the lineup today. Giancarlo Stanton, he's been terrorizing White Sox pitching in this series. He's batting cleanup. Josh Donaldson, he may be the White Sox fan's least favorite player in all of baseball right now, not just because of his history with the Twins and stuff, but he just kills White Sox pitching. Time and time again, he has more home runs against the White Sox than any other team over the course of his MLB career. And then Glaber Torres, Joey Gallo, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Kyle Higashioka round out the nine for the Yankees. And then on the mound, a couple of lefties today. And you look at two teams here that really are geared up to to beat up on left-handed pitching. We talk about it all the time with the White Sox. Because you look at the numbers for guys like Luis and Jose and Vaughn. Those guys are are right-handed hitters. And then you've got a right-handed hitter at the top of your lineup in Tim Anderson. And Yohan Moncada, a switch hitter. So he's flexible in that capacity. But on the other side, you've got some real good mashers from the right-handed side of this, this Yankees lineup. With Judge, with Stanton, with Donaldson, with Torres. You've got guys that can hit the ball and hit the ball a mile. From the right side of the plate. So that's going to be interesting. A couple of lefties. Don't be surprised to see a high run total today between these two teams. Now, Keichel, he's had his struggles two and three this season, a 686 ERA. Um, They're going to need Dallas Keichel to keep the ball on the ground against this team. And that's one of the things that Keichel does well. He's a ground ball pitcher, but he's going to need some help from his defense today because he's not a strikeout guy. You're going to have to, to keep the ball low. And, and I think that's something that this White Sox defense is going to be put up to the test today against the, this Yankees lineup. And then on the other side, you've got Jordan Montgomery, who hasn't really stretched out into a lot of starts, really isn't going much more than five innings or so. But he's been pretty good in his six appearances, a 2-9 ERA right now. But the one thing about that, we, we talk all the time about how the White Sox, they, they are really good against that lefty pitching. But how much lefty pitching are we going to see today? With Montgomery not being a guy who goes out there and throws a lot of innings. So you may see some righties for about half of the at bats that you see in today's game. I mentioned that Andrew Vaughn is back. That's great news for the White Sox and great news for White Sox fans, especially the ones going out to the park today. He's DHing and batting fifth, as I just mentioned. But I just want to talk a little bit about the impact that Vaughn truly makes on this lineup and why I'm super excited to see him back in the lineup. We'll do that in just a little bit when we wrap up White Sox Weekly coming up next. this week only, bid on spring training jerseys worn by some of your favorite White Sox players. The specialty auction includes Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert jerseys, and more. The auction closes tomorrow at 7 p.m. All proceeds benefit White Sox charities. Check out the spring training jersey auction at whitesox.com slash auction. Also, be sure to learn from the pros this summer at a White Sox summer camp. Presented by Wintrust. Starting at just $159, kids ages 5 through 12 can register for a camp at any of our 50 locations throughout the Chicagoland area. To learn more, visit WhiteSox.com slash play. And as a alum of those summer camps, I can tell you it is a great time out there learning from some of the best of the best. White Sox weekly here, final stretch, and then we'll get you ready with the FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show leading into first pitch, six ten. Connor McKnight has the call with Darren Jackson. I'm Tyler Aki with you as we close out White Sox weekly. One of the really good pieces of news that we've gotten over the last couple of days for the White Sox is that Andrew Vaughn is going to be back. He's hitting fifth today in that designated hitter spot. He's got four home runs, and he's knocked in 12, and that includes a stretch where he was on the the injured list for the White Sox. Remember, he got hit on the hand, and then he made a trip down to Charlotte, and boy, did it go spectacularly.
0: Righty deals, and Vaughn sends a high drive, deep left center field. It is way back, up, up, and gone. The home run. Here he sends one deep down the left field
3: line. If it stays fair, it is gone, and it is fair and gone. Baby gone for Andrew Vaughn. Second home run of the night. All three home runs for Charlotte have been solo shots. That gives Charlotte a 5-0 lead. A no-doubter for Andrew Vaughn.
2: Certainly a a hope for what should be to come for Andrew Vaughn as he gets reinserted into the lineup today. Now, Andrew, I think, has been one of those guys. When the going's gotten tough for this White Sox team, Vaughn's been one of the guys who's stepped up and been able to put a barrel on the ball and get a timely hit, get some timely RBIs, get a timely home run, albeit sometimes they don't end up dictating the final score. I think they have been important pieces to the White Sox when they have won. You think about some of the time that that Vaughn has missed, and it has come during the stretch of when this team has needed some offense, needed a, a little bit of a spark to get things going. So when you're going up against a Yankees team, That you know is going to be able to put runs on the board. Getting Andrew Vaughn back at the back end of this series. And then you'll have him in the next series when these two teams face off. Next weekend for a three game set out at Yankee Stadium. He's one of the best bats that you have in this lineup. And I think a lot of White Sox fans when Aloy went down. They were not excited that Aloy went down. But they thought. They thought they were in good hands because they would have a guy like Andrew Vaughn as the replacement. Not often do you have the capability to go from an Aloy Jimenez and he goes down and the next man up is a guy like Andrew Vaughn. That's just not something that a lot of teams have the luxury of. But this White Sox team, they've got the depth. They've got these pieces like Vaughn. And now to see him in more of an everyday role, and hopefully that continues to expand and expand as he feels healthier and healthier... And he talked a little bit about the rehab and the swelling and w- what his process is gonna be like to come back from this injury.
0: First day I mean I was kinda just saying to everybody I was test driving it, just seeing if it worked still and felt really good and then the next day just stuck in my approach and just kept playing baseball. The biggest thing was getting that feel back and just being being comfortable being able to swing. I ended up getting that cortisone shot and that, mm. that helped a lot but it was I mean there was so much swelling in there I could barely move it.
2: Is there anything lingering there?
0: Well, I mean, off. it's a bone bruise. I'm going to feel it for a while. It's going to be sore, but just got to be able to play through it.
2: So that's the status of Andrew Vaughn. You heard at the end there. Again, he's going to have to play through it, but he was playing through it, and he still was able to hit a couple of no doubt or home runs, albeit against AAA. But again, that's just a step down from the major leagues. It's something that he's going to deal with, and I'm interested to see what the split is going to look like from designated hitter to going out and playing the field because that is one of the toughest injuries to sort of deal with when, when you're getting hit on the hand because you've got the ball coming in and then the the backstop of it is your bat as well, which is another hard service, and, and you're kind of getting sandwiched in between there. Not a pretty injury, not a fun injury to deal with, especially when you're a hitter as prolific as Andrew Vaughn is, but it's certainly going to be a welcome addition to this White Sox lineup who I mentioned going up against some of these really potent offensive teams this year it's been tough it's been tough going up against the six best offenses in the AL right now this White Sox team is five and twelve against those teams they only have picked off one series win that came against Tampa Bay and he scored three runs in every single one of those games so that was more of a a time when the pitching went out and won you some won you some games and ultimately won you a series and that's something that On the other hand, you're going to need to see this White Sox team go out there and let these starting pitchers breathe a little bit. Let them feel a little more comfortable. And I think that's part of why you saw someone like Vince Velasquez prior to yesterday. He went out and had two really strong starts for this White Sox team. And it was because this team was able to get out and play ahead. And when they can do stuff like that, they're going to be in a good situation moving forward. I'm looking forward to how this team can close out this series here because you've been punching the mouth pretty hard too a 15 run outing for the Yankees in game one and a 10 run outing last night. We know what this Yankees offense can do. Now we got to see, can the White Sox go punch for punch with them? I know they're a little shorthanded right now, and that's part of the reasons why the, the Yankees have had their struggles at times over the last couple of the years, and even though they've had all these stars, they maybe haven't reached the potential that Yankees fans would like. The health comes down to it, but this team needs to start hitting, and I hopefully we'll start to see that come to fruition starting today. Upgrade your game day experience this season. The guaranteed rate club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at 20 games, include flexible payment plans and postseason opportunities. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or or visit WhiteSox.com. Thank you to our producers, Charlie Bevins and Jake Cantu. The White Sox FanDuel, pre-game, FanDuel Sportsbook Pregame Show is coming up in just a little bit here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky will take you all the way into first pitch of White Sox and Yankees. Thanks so much for listening. Pregame Show is coming
1: up next.